Welcome to episode 95 of the ASC podcast with John Gailey for March 19th, 2020, recording live from our studio in Spencerport, New York. We would like to thank our sponsors, Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies, Surgical Information Systems, and Encompass Healthcare Data Solutions. For more information about our sponsors, please visit our website. This is Sue Cronkite, Chief Researcher for the ASC Podcast and Senior Nurse Consultant for Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies, and I'm with John Gailey, recognized as one of the nation's leading experts in the ambulatory surgery industry. Joining us remotely from Rochester, New York, are Jenna, Jenna Alvarez, Senior Nurse Consultant with AHS, Alex Borneman, Director of Operations with AHS, and Judy D'Ambrosio, Director of Educational Services with AHS. From Cape Cod, Massachusetts, Lori Rodericks, Director of Clinical Service for AHS. And from West Palm Beach, Florida, Ann Geyer, Chief Nursing Officer for Surgical Information Systems. And from Atlanta, Georgia, is Zach Kaleritis, Financial Consultant with AHS. So we have a crowd. We do. <laughs> I'm very excited. So uh, thank you for, uh, we're up to uh, 19 listeners right now. It is growing. Um, thank you for uh, all the support that you have for the uh, ASC podcast. We uh, we have tripled uh, in the last uh, week, week and a half, uh, our, our uh, listeners. Uh, and we owe that all to you and the support that you have for us. So thank you for, for, uh, for supporting us. Thank you for press, passing the word on. Uh, thank you to our sponsors for helping to pay the bills here during this tough time as we increase our technology. If you are looking on YouTube right now, you can see what our control room looks like. And you can see I keep adding more screens. Sue gets a little uh, crazy uh, with me after a while because, I mean, I can barely handle it. And you can't even see all the screens. There's still more off to the side. Um, so we're just waiting a little bit for uh, more listeners to come on board. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll do a little bit of banter. Uh, please, another thing. Um, Alex, we just lost you. Um, if uh, uh, if we don't answer your questions, well, first of all, if you have any questions, please enter them into the um, the, the chat uh, thing in your, because um, I'm pointing to it on the screen and you're, you're all using cell phones. <laughs> but you enter it into the chat uh, function on your cell phone. We will see it live here. Uh, send an email to... Uh, uh, comments at ASCPodcast.com. Sue is monitoring that on that screen way over there. Uh, we're also monitoring uh, all of our email accounts. So, uh, you know, if you, if you can't figure some of these things out, just email us. Hopefully we'll be able to see it. Uh, and uh, um, uh, hang on, Judy. We're, we're going to have to let Alex in first. Um. And uh, we'll try to answer on air. So any questions that you have to start, uh, we'd appreciate it um, telling us. Um, one thing that I, I did want to point out is how important it is to visit our website. I know most of you are, since our website is uh, causing some challenges right now. Uh, and uh, what's happening? Um, so uh, please uh, visit our website uh, at ASCPodcast.com and follow the links on it. Actually, let me show you what the website looks like so that you know where to, uh, to look. So this is the website. Uh, and it, when you go in there, you can see that there's this big link right here, if you're watching on uh, YouTube, uh, where uh, you can see the uh, uh, all the resources. So just click on that, and you'll be able to go in and see all the resources that we have. Uh, everything that we talk about will uh, have some uh, form up there on the uh, website. Uh, of course, all of these uh, 
podcasts are recorded for uh, future reference. All of the live podcasts that we have done over the last week and a half are available uh, uh, at ASCPodcast.com and, of course, uh, through our podcast, uh, through all the major podcast channels. Okay. We are uh, we're up to about 23 listeners right now. Um, and uh, let's just talk about, there we go, finally. Um, and by the way, uh, my staff has been working on the script all day long. Um, I have no idea. I'm, I just know that it's all there and organized, and I'll, I'll try to uh, <laughs> carefully uh, go through these things. I did want to talk about some of the conversations. I'll start off with some of the things that have been going on with me. So uh, I've been on the phone almost all day long uh, dealing with some uh, client issues, uh, various issues that uh, have popped up throughout the day. A lot of questions about what to do when, when the operations start shutting down uh, and you start uh, uh uh, you know, working from home. Um, there's a lot of questions about PTO, a lot of questions about the ben various benefits that are going on, how to help with the nurses. I'm just going to go quickly through what we've had. One of the big questions that have come up is uh, what happens if I stay open and yet all of my, uh, and but my municipality has said that uh, we should be limited, limiting um, uh non uh, limiting elective surgery and uh, as somebody uh, that works uh, in and doing legal uh, consulting and I think Lori uh, you can also say this and I think um, and you do some of it too is that we know that after this is all done uh, there's going to be a lot of lawsuits that the trial lawyers are just going to have a field day uh, with uh, with this and probably looking back on the decision making process that we had during the crisis so I have uh, I talked to a center out in California yesterday uh, and uh, the, uh, the administrator there was kind of frustrated with the doctors because they basically have not only uh, continuing to do surgery, but are actually increasing the number of surgeries they're doing. And they're kind of, uh, you know, refusing to shut down um, at all. And while we understand that you're going to want to keep open as long as you can, you have to be very careful, especially if you are being told not to do elective surgery and you choose to make everything elective surgery. That uh, we, we are encouraging you to document fully how you're making that decision and what is the basis for all of that. So, and we've given some forms on the website for you to do that. Uh, you want to document in the governing body minutes, you're going to want to document every case that you do that is non-elective so that you're covering yourself down the road. But be very careful uh, if, uh, if you have been told not to do elective surgery and you continue doing things that many other people would consider elective. Uh, one of the questions that was asked today of me is that as we start to shut down, are we going to need a new inspection before reopening? The answer to that is no. Uh, at this, well, there's it, you'll you're, you still have your license until you lose your license or your uh, certification or your well, not accreditation, but if your license or certification, you can open without having to go through another inspection. Other quick questions about PTO: uh, What happens when you go on unemployment insurance? If uh, you know, would uh, would you be able to keep your PTO and then get it later? Um, this varies dramatically by state. Uh, we are um, we have a couple lawyers that we hope to have on. I don't know when that's going to happen. We're going to do it as quickly as possible. At the very least, hopefully, we can get some some uh, guidance from the lawyers. Um, so, uh, depending upon the situation uh, in your state or the the state laws, uh, the uh, sometimes the PTO payout will not decrease benefits. Sometimes uh, this is impacted by the timing of those benefits. For example, in some situations where employees receive ongoing payments for vacation while they are laid off, those payments can reduce the amount that they receive under unemployment. Then again, some states allow all workers with a set date for resuming employment to obtain full benefits while receiving vacation pay. Uh, 
We'll try to get a lawyer, as I said, to talk about it. When states do, I'm not going to go on to that. Okay, other benefits. Bring up, uh, so another point that we need to bring up here is that you should be having a conversation right now with your um, benefits company. Hopefully most of you have, uh, you know, a, a company that helps you with the uh, benefits. Um, and if you, uh, if you do uh, furlough your employees, that's a change in employment. Um, they, uh, they, at that point, they could potentially start losing um, their uh, health benefits and then they would fall under COBRA. So COBRA notifications are done by the, um, by a, uh, you know, the organization that provides your benefit services or by the insurance company. Uh, so check with them, uh, get, get advice, you know, hopefully they'll have some forms or some documents that they can give you that you can hand out to your employees, but be prepared for this and be prepared to answer some very tough questions. We're already getting a lot of questions on this. And unfortunately we can't figure out every situation because it will depend not only on, um, on uh, the timing of them losing their benefits or their benefits changing uh, will depend upon the insurance policy that you have. And of course the state will uh, dictate some of the terms with regard to um, um, uh, I'm sorry, I, I'm misspeaking here. Uh, the, the, and then the COBRA benefits will kick in based upon what uh, your advisor will give you. Uh, we also want to remind people that your nurses are going to be very valuable uh, during this time. So even though we might be laying them off, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for them to uh, find employment elsewhere. Uh, for example, in New York City, uh, there is a website where nurses can turn to, uh, to sign up and express their interest in temporary employment. Uh, I assume this is going to happen in other areas. So keep an eye out for opportunities. Def definitely, you know, I think it's our duty to help our, our nurses through this difficult time uh, as they uh, try to find ways to uh, to continue their, uh, their, their paycheck. And I do want to point out, too, for those in New York State that were on the Capital Health Consulting call, I did mis misspeak earlier. I meant to say that this uh, New York City website, not New York State. New York State does not have any guidance on this. You have to go to your local um, health department. But New York City is the only local health department that actually has a link like this. Got it. So uh, thank you, Lori. Uh, we had a question today um, about ACLS pals and BLS and one of our uh, uh, one of our centers uh, of course uh, with Murphy's law all of their uh, their cert uh, certifications end uh, very shortly they were about to go into retraining and uh, they wanted to know what to do um, so one thing I do want to remind everybody it's important for you to understand that uh, PALS, ACLS, and BLS training needs to be hands-on that is a uh, CMS requirement that is an accreditation requirement we uh, so uh, there are options, of course, to do these things online, but they don't meet the CMS and the AAAs here, the accreditation requirements. Uh, we, uh, I should say, Lori contacted the American Heart Association today, and they uh, verbally told us, I don't think we have this in writing, correct, Lori? Correct. It's not in writing. Okay. But we have verbally heard from them that, we, that they are automatically extending uh, PALS, ACLS, and BLS certifications for 60 days. They do recommend that you contact trainer to let them know about your future needs and prepare for the uh, for that need to get training immediately after the expiration. Uh, with regard to shutting down, um, we know that many of you are in the process of shutting down uh, operations or discontinuing operations might be a better term. Uh, you, you need to check your state law to determine if it is uh, required to be reported to the state. Uh, 
Um, and uh, uh, those of you that are clients of uh, Amateur Healthcare Strategies, we're already helping you through that process. New York State is one of those states that does require notification. An interesting question did come up is that if you uh, shut down, but you still have people coming into work. So for example, if your administrator and your nurse manager come to work, uh, then technically you're not shut down. You're just not doing cases at that point. That's a kind of an iffy situation. I'm not quite sure. Um, I, I think the better thing to do would probably be to, um, uh, to, to report that anyway. I agree. Okay. Um, uh, can you just uh, ask some? I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't know if you had to do it. The live link. Oh. Are, uh, can somebody uh, email Jeffrey a live link to the uh, the podcast? He's having trouble getting. He's in. having problems getting in. Sorry about that. Uh, where One other I? thing that um, John was just about to say uh, before <laughs> he had a flight of ideas is that not only are you reporting possibly to your state, but if you are an accredited association, you want to report to your accrediting body if you're having a change in your status at this time, just to keep them aware and that they know whether or not you are performing cases or or not. It's uh, it's always better to over-report than under-report. Lori, uh, while we're on that subject of accrediting accreditation, uh, can you just kind of uh, tell a little bit about uh, your experience today? Because you, you said that um, that they are still doing uh, uh, accredit accreditation surveys at this point. Uh, as far as I know, they are. I am um, a surveyor for AAAHC, so I can only really speak to about them and I am scheduled as is my um, life safety uh, partner uh, to do a survey on Monday um, and we have not heard that it has been canceled so we have another 24 hours uh, well 26 hours since of where they live but um, as to whether or not we're moving forward with this. So as far as I know, and again, my life safety um, inspector, we are planning on being there next week. Surprise, whoever you are, I'll see you there. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, you know, so that's something else to take into a, a account. If you are a, a uh, an organization that is uh, expecting someone to walk in your door, they might, I guess, um, especially if it's a deemed status or if it's a follow-up deemed status survey. Um, so, that, you know, that's all I can tell you based on my experience as of today. But, uh, you know, uh, maybe we'll learn more. We have some more training supposedly tomorrow. But um, right. right now, we're coming. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so we will uh, we'll keep you up to date on, on that uh, as uh as we learn more, uh, but it, we should reiterate, I think everybody knows this now, all regular deemed status surveys, all CMS surveys, all state uh, certification surveys have ceased. And uh, at this point, the, uh, uh, the only types of uh, surveys that are going on are emergency type surveys uh, and regular accreditation surveys that have not yet been uh, canceled as Lori was alluding to. Uh, the American, I'm sorry, the ASC Association has published a variety of excellent resources on their website at ASCassociation.org. Uh, the information up there includes guidance on elective surgery, and I know you're going to start getting an awful lot of different types of guidance on elective surgery. Uh, and I think that's now going to be the problem is how do we kind of keep up with all that? 
Uh, there's updates on ASCA 2020, hint, it is still on. Uh, there's state-specific uh, uh, guidance uh, up there, uh, excellent resources there for uh, the individual states, more than we've been able to uh, uh, gather ourselves. We just have limited time to be able to do that. General resources about the virus and uh, links to the national links, uh, human resource links, infection control links, and links to the CDC recorded webinars, which I think would be useful also. Um, okay. Uh, I'm going to uh, bounce to uh, Lori and Jenna to talk about post-operative phone calls. So any of our clients, we sent this out in our um, email this morning, but one other thing we're recommending is now more than ever, your post-op phone calls, use those to, uh, you know, um, Use those as a critical part of your continuity of care. Make sure that you're asking patients if they've, they're having any COVID-19 symptoms and document that in their record or in your records. Um, and we also highly recommend you do an additional follow-up call after the patient has left, you know, during that two-week period where, um, you know, they could become symptomatic after having visited you um, to determine if the patient has, um, you know, possibly has COVID or if they've gotten diagnosed since they've left your center. Um, and we have an, a form that I think has already been uploaded to the website um, that you can use. Thank you, Judy. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing too, um, is if you are a center that has since um, shut down your, um, your surgery services, um, this is an opportunity to, to look back. Um, I would suggest maybe going back two weeks to the uh, patients that have come through your facility just to give them almost like a wellness check. Um, if you have the tool, great. Make your own if you don't. Um, just to see how they are. Uh, perhaps they had, um, you know, un no symptoms and now they do. And it's just to give you a, a sense of well-being for the other patients that were in your center, as well as your staff that may have been um, in contact with a, a patient that has come down with it now. It's not necessarily a post-op infection call at this point. It's just a wellness call. Um, it, it, I think that would be a, a wise move, and it's also a good utilization of your staff um, and you know, to keep them on your payroll. Sorry about that. Um, I'm sorry. And did somebody say that we're going to have a form that you can use for that? Yeah. And okay. I'm going to hang up so that Judy can get on. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Can I read right from here and have people hear me Hello. or do I need to call on? Um, no, we can. We can hear you. <laughs> we can hear you. <laughs> um, I mean, rather than go through the steps of doing that. That's all. I was just trying to be helpful. Okay. Yeah. I, I guess that sounds good. Um, yeah. Yes. If anybody I, on the podcast line can't hear me, just let us know, and I'll we'll do it different. We hear Judy. Can't. Okay. They <laughs> couldn't hear you. They probably couldn't tell you. They wow. So now you. we can get above <laughs> our four limit. Thank you. Oh, we're learning a lot here. This is great. So thank you very much. Go ahead, Judy. All right, thanks, Judy. Okay. So if you're mandated to shut down, or if your governing body decides that in the interest of public health you're going to shut down, there are just a few things we wanted you to think about. Certainly, you need to communicate that decision with your local health department. It would be wise if you placed um, an explanatory statement on your website, you know, something into the effect of, you know, in, in light of current events, we have decided to close the center. 
effective on such and such a date to reopen on such and such a date if it's appropriate. You may also want to contact uh, your local news media to make sure that it's announced that that's closed. Once you've done that, you're going to have to contact all the patients you had scheduled ahead of time. You may choose to reschedule them now or wait until you see when you've chosen a reopen date to do that. Um, you may want to uh, research acute care facilities nearby that you could either donate your supplies or PPE to <coughs> that you're not using because we know what a hardship it's become. And you may also want to encourage your staff to seek out ways that they can aid in the crisis in a hospital urgent care or a testing site near you. One, one thing that I would recommend in donating any uh, supplies and PPE, just make sure you keep enough on hand for when it's time for you to reopen. Um, it's, it's one thing to give, um, you know, your supplies and it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful, uh, uh, thought process. However, you also have to be able to provide what you need to your patients and your staff when indeed you open your doors. So, um, consider that in your, um, donation, um, thoughts. Okay. Okay. Good point. Um, and we did get a question on YouTube. Um, says within the two week period, what is the best ideal time frame? Should it be midway? I'm not sure what they're talking about, John. Oh, probably the phone calls um, would be my thought. Uh, yes. um, is how they're thinking. It you know that that's up to you guys. I would um, if you're going out the two weeks, I would give them probably. Uh, five to five to seven days. Um, obviously there's going to be those that are 14 days out, which is fine, but you don't have to call every patient on day one. Um, when you implement this process. Uh, so if they were there 14 days ago, you figure, you know, give them a couple of days on top of that to start having symptoms. Um, and that, and not to get those symptoms confused with, uh, post-surgical symptoms because sometimes our temperatures go up because our body's in the process of fighting off um, infection and, and uh, fighting the uh, the breaks in their skin, et cetera, et cetera. So I would wait at least five days from their, their right. surgical That's date, right. if right. that makes sense. That's just a suggestion. Go ahead, Lori. Uh, uh, Judy. Okay. Um, and once you've done those things, check with your own state to see if you have reporting requirements. We've gone over what New York's requirements are that you know you have to report to night ports if you shut down. That's gonna be different by state. Um, so you're gonna to wanna to check to make sure that you've reported this closure temporary or not to whomever needs to know that. So once you've done that, what are you gonna do with all of the people? So we have some suggestions about what you can do um, with the employees you keep in your center, although you no longer have patients. Now it's a good time to use some of that time to work on some key activities. First of all, do a thorough cleaning of the center, all of the areas. Do it with your environmental service surveillance form in hand so that you can update that form to places that may have been missed. Um, this is a good time to make sure that um, we're as clean and neat and uncluttered as possible. Um, this would be a good time to do your annual education. If you haven't done it for 2020 yet, we can give you um, 
the resources you need to do that via Zoom, via Skype, via WebEx. Um, we're here for you. Just let us know if you want to use that time to do that. Do other in-services for your staff. AHS has a complete library of relevant training, so you can we can send you whatever you're looking for. <clears throat> Just let us know what you need. Uh, this would be a good time to begin to cross-train your staff. By doing that, it improves you know the employee's awareness of what else goes on beyond their own little bubble, and it will inc increase your flexibility when scheduling gets rough. Uh, again, on my list was to consider reaching out to those patients who had recently undergone surgery, um, certainly before this nightmare began, and to use that wellness patient check wellness form that we have that we've all referred to now several times. Um, you may want to use this time to inter initiate some of a, some kind of a mentoring program. Have established uh, employees work with new employees or underperforming individuals, and that could truly benefit from the additional attention and support. Uh, use this time to review and update essential files and resources. Your employee files, your credentialing files, have somebody go through your SDS book, make sure it's current and up to date. Your IFU manuals, make sure you have everything in there that you need for your equipment. Um, these are critical parts of our business, but unfortunately, we don't always have the time to get this done. So now is a good time. Uh, see if you'd like to go through um, competencies on your staff. There is no law that says it can only be done to year, and refreshers are always useful. Have someone go through your supplies, your equipment, your medications for expiration dates. Make sure that um, those things are up to date as much as they can be. So there are things to keep you busy, even if we don't have a patient load. If you have elected to assign some of your people to work from home, um, I just want to remind you, be sure that the activities you give them don't breach any HIPAA laws. You know, you cannot send protected health information home with any of your employees. Um, what you can have them do is, if you have an employee qualified in nursing or um, critical care, have them do a complete review, complete review of your policy and procedure manual. If not, have some of them go for grammatical and formatting errors. Um, have somebody spend the time on it. And then have them compare your table of contents with that for your accrediting body, whether it's AHAC or Joint Commission or whatever, um, to make sure that you're in good shape. You can hold your QAPI meetings via video chat, just like we are here. You can hold board meetings this way, just like we are here. Have staff meetings with your staff, even though they're home and you're not. Um, encourage them to work on their CE credits if they need them. Again, have them do the online training in infection control or PALS or ACLS. Um, something that keeps them up to date and working. Um, give somebody the, um, the task of researching infection control guidelines, quality improvement protocols, risk management concepts. Have them prepare little in-services for each other um, so that you can get together via Web, WebEx or conference call and everybody has something to share. It keeps them involved in each other as well. Have somebody go through both your internal and external communication lists and make sure they're up to date for emergencies. Um, one of Alex's ideas, promote team culture with video-based activities and games. Um, keep everybody in touch with each other. Keep everybody together. Um, and because I love fun so much. COVID-19 stuff as events and drills. Write up incident reports for patients or staff that have come in ill or with a fever. Um, and now is a good time to collect documentations of the expenses you've occurred because of this. Um, I'm sure there will be reimbursement timeframes involved. So if you want to put somebody on that top task, that's something they could do from their home. Uh, cohorts, tell me if I've forgotten anything, if I've hit on everything we talked about. That sounded really good. I, I just oh, came you. up with another one. 
Okay. Finally you learn did. about life safety. Who wants oh. to learn about life safety while they're at home? There's, well, we have you can buy it on NFPA like 101 or 99. Make sure that everything's done. Yeah. Yeah. Good idea, Alec. You don't want them to quit, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. That. I like that whole cross-training point you made, Judy, too, though, because that's something we've talked about before that improves communication so well. So that, that's a great time to do that. Yeah, it not only makes each of your employees appreciate what the other one mm -hmm. does, if you get into a scheduling jam, at least you have somebody yep. there for you. You know what I mean? It's it's worth the time and effort. Mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, okay, um, Anne, uh, uh, we have yes. a special guest today, Ann Geyer, who is the Chief Nursing Officer for Surgical Information Systems, one of our sp the sponsor of our show, and a very, very dear friend. And thank you so much, Ann, for joining us. Uh, we're not going to hold against you that you're down in beautiful Palm Beach <laughs> and the rest of us right here. And one of our listeners—one of our listeners had said that you were their very favorite in the industry. So oh, no. they're excited to hear from you. <laughs> so oh, well, thank you. Can you all hear me okay, John? Yeah, absolutely. John. Okay. Yes, well, yes, we can hear you. When you and I talked, when you and I talked this morning about what I could contribute, the first thing I thought of is everybody's mental health, because I'm starting to see a lot of stress exhibited amongst my clients, my friends in the industry, the uncertainty. Um, I'm not. I'm a low stress person. It takes a lot to get me upset. But even I'm feeling it. It's, it's like you're starting to feel closed in. And I'm used to working remotely. But the uncertainty is my center going to stay open? Am I going to get paid? Um, if I have to take unemployment insurance, I've never done that before. Um, how long is this going to go on? I mean, everybody that's on this call probably understands that feeling. And there are things that you can do. Now, my number one release is to exercise. So I'll go out and I'll do a hard walk in 80 degrees weather because I find when I get back, I feel better. I noticed that our for uh, surgical information system, Cigna is our insurer, and they sent up, uh, set up uh, resources for CIS employees or anybody covered, I guess, by, by this virus uh, or the effect of the COVID-19 that they are offering almost like an employee assistance plan that you can call in. They're providing hotlines. Um, they're providing things like uh, sending prescriptions, 90-day prescriptions at no cost. I mean, there's just all kinds of things that they're trying to do. There are resources out there. But it's um, this is, as we talked about, this is like the zombie apocalypse to me. In our wildest dreams, we could not have anticipated a scenario like this. And so it's a matter of taking it a day at a time, trying to do things that are going to, that you could wrap your arms around, you know, little baby steps. The financial situation is going to be critical for some of us. So it's going to be very important when the cash flow dries up that the people in charge have thought about what are, how are you going to tell your employees what's going on without scaring the living daylights out of them. You don't want them to head to the hospital where they take a full-time job and then you reopen, you have no staff. So I'm really worried about that. And I would appreciate it if anybody has anything to offer on that, that you write in to John and Sue and just put something that we can talk about at a, in the near future 
on how you're handling the stress. I mean, and drinking is not the solution. <laughs> I think Thanks, a, glass right. of wine, a glass of wine sounds awfully good, but two or three or four or five isn't going to do it because um, the problems aren't going to go away. So what are you going to do to get over the hump when you start to feel that your neck getting tight, your back hurting? Um, you just don't, you don't feel like yourself and you can't put your finger on it. It's a good possibility that it's what's going on around us. And then you worry about your children and you worry about the schools being closed. So I hate to be Debbie Downer because, you know, I talk about Krabby Carl when I do my talks. <laughs> but um, we got to think about this stuff and take care of yourselves. So the emails that I send to you all, I put on there, stay safe and wash your hands often. Um, as simple as that sounds, we can't neglect it. We have to take care of ourselves. There may not be anybody there to take care of us. So that's my two cents for today. Well said. Uh, and I'd also invite uh, Anne, uh, Anne uh, uh, would be glad to be on this podcast. I'm talking for her. <laughs> but I know uh, all of us are, are happy to, uh, uh, to, uh, to be getting the word out. Uh, we, we are getting uh, a lot of support for the podcast. A lot of people are listening. Not as many people uh, live as, uh, as that uh, listen to the recorded podcast. So if you have some topics that you would love to have Anne talk about, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit, a little bit later on about what other things are going on here. Um, John, so, John, I have a quick question. Sure, if sure. we want to invite people to this podcast, do they have to be on Podbean to get it live? Uh, well, yeah, that, very good question. So Podbean is the way that you can listen to the podcast live and to interact with us. We are now pushing to uh, YouTube live stream and we're monitoring it. It, is, it does seem to be working well. And given that we've gotten a couple questions or com we had one comment coming back, obviously uh, people are able to hear us uh, out there too. We're going to monitor, we're going to see what the recording comes up like. Um, but I think uh, so that, that, you know, I think YouTube has a little bit more of a, a broad um um, audience there. Oh, I agree. Um, the okay. So we'll uh, we'll continue to monitor that. We did look into Facebook Live. Unfortunately, I cannot do both Facebook and YouTube at the same time. Um, I if think people YouTube do, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think YouTube is uh, a, a kind of a better uh, and more uh, universal because you can see it both your cell phone and on the uh, the computer. Uh, okay. But yeah, Sounds so uh, absolutely. Thank you. Go and see. we have a question from um, from. The audience from Christina. If you were to get a confirmed COVID nineteen case, is that an immediate shutdown? I don't believe it's immediate shutdown. You would um, contact your local or state Department of Health and see what they have to say, and you would just obviously quarantine anyone that has symptoms. Um, you would. Uh, you know, follow the 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 uh, reported. I don't want to say rules, but the steps to take. You would do a thorough cleaning. You would, um, you know, proceed that way. Um, but it wouldn't be an automatic shutdown, as far as I'm aware. Uh, and Janet, check your sorry. Check your state and um, local um, guidance. I know New York City has some guidance out now that. And I think New York State actually has somewhat similar guidance um, up on the HCS site. Um, in terms of healthcare workers, there's some exemptions if they've had contact with um, 
people who have COVID-19. Okay. In terms of uh, not having to quarantine. Mm -hmm. There was a follow-up question is, does it matter if it's a patient versus an employee? Uh, I no, I mean, obviously an employee would have a lot more contact um, with other staff members and doctors versus a patient who would have a shorter, you know, time frame of um, being able to inf infect um, your staff. And I wonder, I know we have recommended the um, Department of Health a lot of times. I think they must be so overwhelmed because we're not always getting, we've had people that have reached out and, and not gotten um, very complete answers. But again, I'm sure they're overwhelmed. What you're saying like is that we're told to go to the website. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it could just be, as I said, they might just really not, I think everybody's kind of just struggling their way through this. And I wonder, like some centers, if they're close to closing, I know some of ours have had issues, but they're considering closing down within a day or two, and that may affect it too. You know, you can just kind of weigh the benefits. And the... Um, treat it like you would any other patient that came in that you found out had an, uh, you know, an infectious process, whether it was C. diff, whether they were positive TB, what you would do is you would um, isolate, you would terminally clean, and you would practice safe, um, you know, use your PPE and safe um, hygiene. Um, would you close down? I would imagine if that person came in contact with everybody, you might want to consider it. However, um, as Jenna said, there are some um, sites out there that are explaining if a healthcare worker becomes um, tested positive or comes in contact with someone that's positive, how they should behave. Um, I don't think you would have an automatic close down but you would take the process to do what you find is the best thing that's going to protect everybody. Um, if you cannot uh, discuss it with your Department of Health. If you have a hospital partner, talk to that, um, talk to them, talk to the infection preventionist there as well, get their input. Um, but that would be my, um, my advice at this time. Thanks, Laurie. Thanks. Mm -hmm. um, Alex, uh, uh, Barn, any other questions uh, at this point? Uh, Alex, you want to start talking about uh, community participation? Put it in the perspective of uh, emergency preparedness, too. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, as we've been told since uh, I believe November 2017, um, we should be reaching out to our communities. Um, and usually that means our emergency departments of um, our emergency department for our counties um, and our states to offer up ourselves for um, help during a disaster and kind of now is when that comes to fruition um, if if they so choose um, so part of that communication in the past has been you know here's how many beds we have um, Here's how many staff members and what kind of supplies we have on staff in our square footage. And most of us um, haven't gotten much back from our departments of health or our departments of emergency preparedness. Um, but, you know, again, um, now's the time to reiterate to them 
that we are here, we are willing to help, um, and and when doing so, when you um, send such a letter to them or call them or email them, uh, each department's a little bit different for each county in New York or um, whoever's the local jurisdiction in other states. Um, each one is a little bit different. So when you're reaching out to them, um, they might have an email address or they might have um, mail is not really the best way right now, but the phone number or email address are the best two ways to reach out to them and let them know uh, what you have available for them. Um, and then the other community partners that we want to be reaching out to are our hospitals. Um, and this is all part of, uh, you know, some of our choices that we have to make. Um, you know, some states haven't made it quite there yet. Um, New York City, um, being that they can only do uh, non-elective procedures currently, um, and they have to determine what those are and whether or not they can stay open without doing those. Um, you know, each each location in the U.S. is different right now. Um, and even Massachusetts, Ohio, some of the other places that have started to have to make tough decisions. So among our decisions are um, to, you know, continue with our current not elective caseload or if in other states, just our current full caseload. Um, and to potentially, if we're in areas extremely affected by COVID-19, um, to start taking on non-elective uh, cases from the hospital within your current scope. Um, really can't do anything outside of our scope without 1135. Um, that's brought down from your Department of Health on the state level. Um, but you can you can offer service offer to your hospital that you can take on some of their burden of surgeries, um, whether that be through current doctors that are associated with both organizations or through new doctors that you have to credential. Another option is uh, close and isolate, allowing staff to seek work at hospitals, which we talked a little bit about, um, or where they're most needed um, through your local hospital, contacting again your local hospitals or your emergency departments or their department, your local department of health um, with your county or local authority. And then the third option that um, is starting to come up here in New York State is uh, becoming a testing site. And this is this idea is just in its infancy uh, for ASCs. Um, there's already been a couple, I believe. Um, I was reading, uh, this is more anecdotally, but I've been reading uh, on the news about a couple Midwestern ASCs that have um, become testing sites for their states. But in New York, um, we now have gotten the the contact information um, where you can go to, where you can email your information to start the process of potentially becoming a testing site. Um, some of the things that they're looking for, and and we we list these out for everybody just because, quite honestly, if your um, your Department of Health is requesting that you participate or if you're trying to participate with them and helping them with 
um, combating COVID-19 in any way. These are all relevant items for them. Um, So first off is ownership. Um, You know, who are your owners, whether or not they're they're private physicians or, um, you know, you're part owned by a hospital. Your center's location, county, region, of course, those are very relevant, so they know where you are. Uh, square footage of your facility. Um, this is this is important because it helps tell them what your occupancy level is. Um, and I would even say um, one of the, you know, in terms of other pertinent information that you'd want to include, uh, the facility layout, an actual mm-hmm. map of your facility might be helpful, um, especially if you're communicating via email, um, pretty easy to attach. And also your parking capacity. Um, I know all of us have heard about the drive-in testing centers. So that would very much help them understand where that capacity would be at if they used your site for such a location. Um, And then also talk to them about your current status as a facility. Um, So we're talking about if you're a startup, your brand new facility or if you're, you know, you're current and established, or if you're a, a former facility, um, you know, if you've, you've closed down or you're um, in the process of closing down, um, let them know that maybe that your site is available. Um, some other items that they might be interested in, uh, your current supply level, your current staffing level, um, and what types of staff you have on um, on payroll, and um, and then also the number of beds with oxygen outlets um, that may become very um, very important for the Department of Health to know. Um, another item that I've been hearing is that they might be interested in our anesthesia machines. Um, uh, Jenna brought this up earlier. Um, today. I believe the president might have actually referred to it earlier too, correct? Yep. Yeah, that was uh, Trump that brought that up. Um, so I will be, of course, monitoring that situation um, as things develop there. Um, so that's those are those are really most of your options. Um, it, obviously, uh, the, fr- the first one, again, is continue as is um, until we receive further notice um but uh, any any questions on on any of that no we don't have any questions at this time so let me uh, before we go in we're going to have a little bit of a financial discussion zach is uh, waiting in the wings um and i'm sorry oh did we want to ask judy that question or, or oh that question? which one was that oh yes i'm sorry uh go sue um, we had a question through the email about hydroxychloroquine. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but have you heard anything about if that's really a possible answer, Laurie? I know it, it, it used to treat, or it's been used to treat, what, malaria and, and um, rheumatoid arthritis oh. or something. And now, so they're saying that's been safety tested and could it actually, and that there might be some, but 
I, I think that's exactly right now they're looking into it as a possibility for as a treatment for coronavirus. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's still in the testing phases. Um, I don't know that it's uh, been proven. Yes, this is it. And, you know, set up and go. But I, I know the president has talked about it. Um, and it is something that is in the works, but nothing that I've heard definitive. I'm kind of looking it up. They're saying there's been some encouraging results, but as we all know, sometimes things start off looking really good and you get deeper into the testing and mm -hmm. may mm -hmm. not. So. Right. Plus, we're not usually good at live people testing. We usually start uh, on smaller four-legged friends. Um, so, you know, this is, uh, you know, a whole new uh, yeah. arena for them at this time. But, you know, it's at the least they're, they're trying. They're trying. Mm -hmm. And at least it's not, where it's been around a while, it's not a new drug, so they don't have to worry as much about, they already right. know the side effects and that kind of thing. But yeah, whether yeah, it's yeah. Do the trick is another question. So. Okay. We did have Thank a follow-up question. One of our uh, listeners, um, uh, Zach, turn your uh, volume down. Um, we had uh, one of our uh, listeners uh, uh, came in a little bit late and wanted clarification on the testing centers or specimen collection centers, Alex. Yeah, sure. So, again, um, New York State. Um, so, New York State is trying to focus right now on uh, Southwest Chester. Um, but we do have, um, so specifically centers in that region, um, they're very interested in becoming uh, testing sites. But we do also have, um, we've got the contact information. It's, a, it's an email address uh, where requests can be sent for any New York State uh, centers uh, if they want to become testing sites. Um, obviously, we can't guarantee with DOH will we'll have the final say on that. So um, again, you'd just be requesting uh, a, basically uh, a hearing from, not really a hearing, but um, requesting from Department of Health uh, to become a testing site. So we'll, we'll share that to anybody that wants it. Um, I, I don't think the Department of Health really wants that to become public information. So uh, just on an individual, individual basis, we'll, we'll share that. And I did want to uh, remind everybody, I, I know I keep reminding you, but the importance of visiting the website periodically to see uh, the, the updates. Say I did not update it today. Um, my staff has told me that I need to update it tonight. So we'll be working on that after the podcast, uh, after dinner maybe. Um, and we'll get that totally up to date with uh, the most recent information and, and to add all the stuff that we've been talking about here. Uh, before we go into the financial discussion, I did want to uh, just kind of give you a, a little brief interlude here about uh, what, we're, uh, what we're planning uh, on, on an ongoing basis. We will continue doing these live podcasts on a every other day or thereabouts type basis. We might have one tomorrow. We haven't made a decision yet about that, depending upon our ability to get a hold of a lawyer that, to uh, talk about some of the legal issues here. Uh, we're going to be, uh, um, we're also going to be preparing some educational programs that we think will be useful to you as you go into isolation. Uh, some of the things in the planning stages, actually well beyond the planning stages, the infection preventionist training and updates. Lori is working on that uh, based upon some of the training that she's done for the New York State Association. Uh, that will, uh, you know, for if you're an ambulatory healthcare strategies client, those will be free to uh, uh, the uh, our our, uh, our the staff of our uh, our, our retainer clients, uh, and you'll be able to uh, uh, to order it, uh, and uh, it's it'll be a full day session, uh, right, Lori? I guess we're going to be you know six to eight hours of uh, 
wonderful discussion about uh, infection prevention. Oh my goodness. Um, and, and also anyone out there with ideas, feel free yeah. to send them in because uh, your brains are really, really needed. That's right. And, and to that end, you know, we, we've already announced that we're going to be doing this training. Uh, the types of things that you would like to learn. I mean, Lori's got a lot of great slides, but she, uh, she would love to, uh, to modify them to answer those things that are very specific to you. Uh, we are uh, amateur healthcare. I should mention this. I haven't mentioned this in a while. Amateur Healthcare Strategies is a uh, authorized uh, AEU and uh, IPCU a credit provider. So we will be providing, uh, needless to say, an awful lot of infection prevention tr uh, uh, credits uh, this quarter uh, when we come to the end, which is actually coming pretty close. Um, so uh, we'll we'll give you more information that's available on the website. And if you have been a listener for a while, by the way, you and you are CAPE or, um, I, I'm sorry, I don't think we had any CAPE uh, credits last quarter, but we did have quite a number, four and a half uh, credit hours of, uh, of um, uh, CASC. Uh, AEUs. Um, so uh, you can go to the website to see that. Uh, so this infection preventionist training uh, will, it, and some people will who already are CAPE certified might find it useful, uh, you know, just kind of go back and uh, maybe see some of the basics and, uh, you know, avail themselves of, uh, of additional training here. And uh, it will be interactive. We will uh, uh, be using a, a web webinar type format. However, it's not going to be just Lori speaking because that would put all of you to sleep and probably... <laughs> painful. Um, so uh, Lori and I are going to uh, interact together since we have so much fun together and uh, I think it'll, it'll be very interesting. We're also looking into some finance, accounting, coding, and billing training. So those of you that have uh, been listeners for a while uh, know that um, uh, Laura, or, uh, Christine Benton and I have uh, been trying to put together uh, an in-person finance and accounting seminar including coding and billing um, and we were planning on that for late 2020 or early 2021. So guess what? Uh, we're going to uh, hopefully do that in a um, in a uh, uh, live uh, um, uh, uh, webinar type format with a, a number of different speakers. And then I think, uh, and we're going to do some administrator training also. Uh, all of our administrators, you can never stop learning. And there are a lot of new people out there that are administrators uh, that uh, are. Uh, are coming into uh, uh, this uh, field without a lot of knowledge about uh, about the requirements and the administration. So we'll be doing that. And I probably, the most exciting thing is that uh, we are going to be doing a virtual conference. We don't have time for the frame for this, uh, but we will be doing a virtual conference for those of you who are not going to be able to make it to ASCA 2020. Uh, we're going to have uh, the option of, uh, of uh, going to a virtual conference here with uh, with many speakers that we have, including uh, people like myself and and uh, and uh, Geyer, who does a lot of uh, uh, speaking uh, publicly. So we're we're very excited about that. We're already uh, putting together a um, um, a list of uh, speakers to this, and uh, uh, it'll just it'll be in a live format and a webinar format, but different, very different than a regular uh, webinar. You're not going to just see. Uh, slides up there. We're going to do some interactive stuff and uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, so that's all to come. Keep a very close eye on what we're up to here. And uh, listen, if you are not uh, on LinkedIn uh, with me, uh, do ask, what's the term? It's not called friend, uh, uh, to connect, connect with me through LinkedIn. Uh, though you can connect LinkedIn. with me on Facebook too, but uh, through LinkedIn, you can uh, connect uh, 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 connect with me. I, I accept uh, all uh, people, obviously, and you can get immediate uh, information about that. Uh, Zach, uh, we, we've been asking uh, Zach to uh, do a bunch of research on some of the financial things. And uh, Zach, there is no way we can go through all that material. So hopefully you have, uh, 
<laughs> you have things summarized here. He's got like 17 pages worth of information here. A lot of good information. And uh, we will post all that information. But in the meantime, Zach, why don't you kind of just give a brief overview of what we're going to have uh, posted on the website and just some of the, the general things that our, our clients need. And before you launch into that, uh, we have um, we have a new sponsor of the podcast. Um, at, uh, I'm sorry. Hang on one second. Bear with me. Uh, so we do have a new uh, uh, sponsor of the podcast. It's BHG Funding, and those of you that are familiar with BHG, they provide funding for uh, for patients uh, as well as surgery, uh, like uh, working. Um, we're having some problems with somebody's speed. Uh, so if you are interested in information, we're going to be uh, posting stuff on the website at some point, but. Uh, they uh, um, they uh, they are available. They're interested in uh, funding, and uh, at this point, with everything that is happening, it could become very important. So, uh, we'll uh, we'll pass out information. In the meantime, if you have a question about it, send information to me at comments at uh, ASCPodcast.com, and I'll I'll give you the uh, uh, some uh, contact information. So go ahead, Zach. Sure. Uh, is everyone able to hear me? Okay. Yep. So good. Yep. Okay. Good. I know you don't have a dog, so it's not your dog in the background. That's right. <laughs> so I guess to uh, to begin, um, on one of the earlier episodes this week, I had talked about some resources that come from the Small Business Administration. Um, I guess one small clarification I would have for that is some of these programs that are listed on the Small Business Administration website are specifically uh, related to coronavirus. Some of them have been, some of them are just general assistance programs that they offer, so be aware of that. Um, some of the specific ones for coronavirus uh, deal with um, small businesses. Straight, excuse me, a small business administration working directly with state governors to provide targeted low interest loans to small businesses. Um, they help small businesses gain access to capital. There are plenty of resources on their website. Hopefully, we'll be able to post a lot of these links that they have. Um, let's see. They also provide local assistance by at least uh, putting businesses in contact with their local branches of the Small Business Administration. They have a directory on their website for, for local offices. Um, moving on to just some general federal guidelines that have been posted, um, some from the CDC. There's a coronavirus response toolkit. They have uh, plenty of useful information that comes from there. Some of it comes from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. They have a pretty extensive website with plenty of uh, links and so forth that come from there. Um, I guess summarizing the broad topics, there's they have a link back to the Small Business, small business Administration page themselves, statewide initiatives to help small businesses, uh, assistance from small bank from banks and credit card companies, federal assistance from uh, for small businesses directly through the Chamber of Commerce, um, including there. There's a link they talk about the Chamber of Commerce has petitioned Congress and the uh, pre presidential administration to, uh, on behalf of citizens, to uh, provide some of this relief. There is, uh, they also point out that there has been tax relief opportunities um, having to do with 
at least an extension of businesses and ind- individuals having to pay their taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, some additional, just general information is this uh, proposal by the Trump administration to send uh, money to every citizen. This is this was first announced, I believe, Tuesday, and as of today, the update was they hope to uh, get this going forth in the next three weeks or so. And if if the need should still be arise within the next uh, should still be around in the next six weeks beyond that, they said they would potentially send money again, so they would do it ongoing, hopefully. Um, and, and along with that comes the is, sure. is to make sure that we're encouraging people to continue to spend money out there and keep that economy mm-hmm. going. For sure. Yeah. So the, along with that comes the family's first coronavirus response act. This is a new uh, bill that was as being signed into law, taking effect April 2nd to provide certain employees with paid and unpaid leave and protection uh, job protection, rather, against uh, during the whole COVID-19 pandemic. Um, let's see. This would provide, among other things, an emergency expansion of the Family Medical and Leave Act and an emergency sick paid leave for employer employees. Rather, um, moving on, I have some specific resources that uh, for New York State. If we have time to go into that, I don't know if we have. I think what we'll do is we'll post it on the website. We are sure. uh, partnership absolutely. Is drop a little bit here so i uh we've had uh, we had a peak of 51 here uh we're down to about 20 right now it's still pretty we're good hitting that five o'clock time. and we're hitting that five o'clock time right and, and i haven't eaten all day so well i had that hard part right but uh does anybody have any questions for any of our uh our speakers today and does anybody want to call in we'd certainly be uh willing to uh, we have all of our slots are taken uh zach actually would you uh, uh log off so we uh, free up a, a, a thing sure thing I, back on you, if they zach. have a question for you but thanks sure thing so uh, we do have one line open for uh, any questions that uh, we might have, and uh, as well as we're monitoring all the questions on all of our feeds. I don't see any at this point. Um, anybody have any last-minute comments? I would just like to thank everybody for, uh, you know, uh, first of all, putting up with our, our technological uh, challenges here. Uh, we're learning very fast, but we're very excited about the opportunities that come from this. I think, you know, I've been in the, the field for 30 years and uh, uh, Anne being so much younger than I am, she, you know, she can't say the same thing, of course. But, um, you know, this is unprecedented. I've never seen anything like it. But also, I think it's an opportunity for us as an industry to show you know, how uh, valuable we are to the infrastructure here. And I think hopefully we're going to continue to see, um, you know, all of us stepping up uh, to the plate here. And uh, we, we hope that uh, we're going to come out of this stronger than ever before. Um, if you are a client of uh, Amateur Healthcare Strategies, make sure you continue to be in touch with all of us. One of the questions or one of the issues that came up uh, today with one of our clients was, you know, if we start laying people off, this was the administrator and the, uh, the office manager, uh, what about me? Am I going to be laid off? And, you know, my, my simple answer is I don't know how you could possibly lay off the administrator uh, and or the nurse, man, uh, the nurse manager or the uh, office manager, uh, you know, because somebody's got to keep those, you know, keep the doors. Uh, I mean, 
literally open. I mean, at least, uh, you know, be able to, uh, uh, to respond to, uh, you know, the various needs and to be able to, uh, to ramp up very quickly. Uh, you know, organizations such as ours, of course, will be able to keep things moving in the background uh, during this whole time. But ultimately, you're going to need to have somebody responsible for that. So uh, for those of you uh, owners out there that are thinking, oh, I don't leave all my staff, I, I don't think we can go all the way down. But all the way, uh, but, but definitely make sure that you, uh, um, you know, are, are monitoring your cash flow. Somebody's got to be writing the checks, you know, to pay the bills. And, uh, uh, um, and of course, any advice that we can give you, feel free to, to uh, call email, et cetera. Uh, and to that end, we really want you to send uh, comments at ASCPodcast.com, anything that you would like us to talk about. Uh, the big topic in the last uh, couple of days that uh, we've been getting uh, questions about uh, is the um, uh, unemployment uh, uh, benefits, uh, you know, just that whole process there. So uh, we're going to get into some legal issues within the next couple of days with a couple uh, uh, speakers. And we may end up... Um, putting a link to that KBR. I know Zach mentioned it briefly, but I know we were kind of yeah. rushing him through that, but the KBR client advisory, which is just about the family first uh, coronavirus response act, but they kind of delved into um, the extra benefits that people could have on um, what to do that, that uh, your employees can take their PTO or they can choose to leave it. If it's, if it's kind of considered a leave, you're not, you know, firing them. It's just a, an extended leave. And um, there was some information in there about how the small employers, um, and I'm, I don't know the details on this, but how they would be getting a tax break within three months right. to re, you know, rebuild up that, that fund for themselves. And I did want to, one other question that we had had earlier today from somebody, I know we've talked about what people can do during their downtime, but what would, can you give a quick summary of what would be the most important thing? Like say somebody's deciding over a period of a couple of days, okay, we just have to shut down. Are there a couple of really important things for people to do that they would be to help them be ready for starting back up again? Or is it just all that stuff that we mentioned trying to keep people busy and getting? Yeah, that's a good point. And I'm going to call on the three surveyors on the, on the line to help out a little bit here. So what, what's everybody's opinion on this? Uh, I have my own. Go ahead. Uh, why don't you start with Lori? What, well, what are you grabbing on the way out the door? Yeah, on the way out the door or the way back in? <laughs> well, to get ready for your way back in. Yeah, to get <laughs> on your way out the door so that you know right. that it'll make it easier getting started up again. Well, I would, um, I would make sure you have some supplies. I would make sure that you, um, if you are doing your outdates before you close the door, I think I would. Not outdated drugs and supplies. Right. Anything that's dated. Right. Um, if if you put a, aside the following months outdates uh, so that you have to like close your eyes and assume that, mm. you know, worst case, you won't be back for a month mm -hmm. so that they're off your shelf. But they're there if you come back in two weeks and be, to be used first. Um, I would suggest that uh, I would have uh, open communication with my staff so that they know that you're gonna call them um, and hopefully they'll be able to uh, come running with uh, bells on and, and uh, cupcakes or something. Um, you or, know what I mean? Know we can't have cupcakes. I, I forgot, John, I forgot. <laughs> um, but you know, that sort of thing so that they know that you're still um, you know, in their corner, want them there, that you they're your focus as well. That's important because as Ann said earlier, you don't want them 
to go to the hospital and then stay there. Um, so, right. you know, I think that's important and, you know, just, uh, get ready to clean again. You're going to have to re-clean before you open your doors. I know that's and make organization. You might have to bring an outside company in to help you in that process too. You might want to make those arrangements beforehand. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so it's just that sort of thing. And think about your vendors, you know, there's people that you've, cut off ties with your uh, laundry service, your your garbage disposal, you're going to have to get them restarted. So, you know, have them on speed dial as well. And yeah, keeping be track of, yeah, I was just going to say that if they're smaller yeah. companies, make sure you check ahead of time to make sure they've made it through. And do you have yeah. any observations? No, I, I was just thinking, besides everything that Lori said, do the things that just everybody hates to do. Yeah. And Lori's already mentioned it, like reviewing your policies and procedures. Something yeah. that surveyors hate is going in to do a survey and finding some other surgery center's name on the policies because they were templated and nobody bothered to read them. Um, right. And you can divvy that out so somebody's not overwhelmed in doing it. But all the chores, the employee files that have 15 years of employee records in them, what about taking those apart and scanning some of the old files? This is a great time to do that kind of stuff. We all hate to do it, but then think of how nice it's going to be to go to those files and not have to go through a stack that's eight inches thick for one file. Um, I think that if you put your heads together, I think you can come up with things for people to do that you come out ahead of the game when you do reopen your doors. And uh, I'm sure this is something that uh, all three of us uh, that are surveyors are passionate about. Please read your accreditation handbook. Okay. Uh, this is a time to, 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 to memorize it. I, you know, I, I'm still shocked when people go in and they don't have, um, you, don't have it memorized. I mean, you know, I think all of us uh, as surveyors know exactly the chapter. You know, that, that's a sure sign that you don't know uh, what's going on in there if you don't know what the chapters are for uh, at least for AAAHC. So please read through it and comment on it and figure out where your weaknesses are right now so that you can prepare. Or, or while you're going through it, maybe you can fix some of those things remotely. Sue, I think you Yep, I just wanted to mention something that actually Jenna sent out to us from MSNBC. Uh, Morning Joe from today. Um, I didn't read all the way through it, but it's an article about how ambulatory surgery centers can expand surge capacity as we go into this. So I thought that was a, a right. great little plug for how, how we can be useful. We'll, we'll put a reference to that. It's nice mm -hmm. to get some positive press coverage for our industry at this difficult time. And did you have anything else? No, I think I'm good. And I, I, I think I'll just reiterate the same thing. As you're going out the door, be prepared for, uh, you know, make sure you have the information to be able to do your board meetings, you know, finish up your quality improvement things. Uh, your board is going to have a lot of questions and, and doing remote uh, um, uh, board meetings is going to be important. Make sure you have the ability to document all the things that are going on. If you need help with uh, uh, templates, there's a lot of information that's available on our website uh, template-wise, um, as well as, of course, if you're a client, uh, that's what we do for you. So uh, we'll be documenting that as we go along. Speaking uh, of documentation, John, sure. Um, also like to add, making sure that we've been documenting the expenses um, that we've incurred oh, due to the coronavirus. Um, we do now have a list from um, actually our helpful uh, lobbyists and consultants uh, in New York State. Um, so we they put together 
pretty comprehensive list of all of the staffing, general costs, uh, payments, and other items that you should be documenting. So we'll, we'll post that as well. Okay. I think uh, unless there are any other questions, let's just take a quick look, scan. I don't have any questions on any of the boards. Um, we uh, are still considering whether we're going to do a podcast tomorrow, so uh, stay tuned. I know all of you uh, are uh, are keeping a close eye on it. Um, and uh, with that, <laughs> well, that's it for this episode of the ASC Podcast with John Daly. Join us again, and please consider becoming a patron by going to our website at ASCPodcast.com and spread the word about our podcast with your friends and colleagues and do us the, the honor of hitting that subscribe button. If you hit that subscribe button, you're going to know when we go on the air and, and know about upcoming episodes as well as whenever we post a new, ep uh, a new episode. We'll be uh, posting a, a, um, a recording of this to our um, uh, to the, as a as a, uh, a podcast, and then we'll also be posting a video so that you can see behind the scenes. If you weren't watching us uh, on YouTube, uh, and that should go up later today. Uh, the sound editor for this episode is Susan Cronkite. Executive producer John Gailey. Research assistance is provided by Susan Cronkite, Jenna Alvarez, Judy D'Ambrosio, Alex Borneman, Zach Zach and Lori Rodericks. Music is provided by Media Sushi and Mike Noah. The SC Podcast with John Gailey is hosted on Podbean and is available on all major podcast channels. Okay, and the most exciting part. This podcast is an educational and operational tool and is not intended to be a comprehensive resource for all rules, regulations, and standards that an ambulatory surgery center must meet. The advice provided should not be considered as, nor does it constitute legal advice or opinion when reviewing specific situations involving legal and regulatory issues, attorneys, and other professionals should be consulted. This has been a production of Eden Group Development. All rights are reserved. We would like to thank our sponsors, Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies, Surgical Information Systems, and Encompass Healthcare Data Solutions. For more information about our sponsors, please visit our website. If you're interested in advertising or sponsoring the ASC pad Podcast with John Daly, please email us at info at ASCPodcast.com. We would love to hear your questions and comments. Please email us at comments at ASCPodcast.com.